Support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton. Operating in more than 100 countries, our tax, audit, and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of South Carolina, where healthcare is changing for the better. Find out how at ahealthysc.tv. And by Sunoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. Politics, policy, and social and economic development. The recent bill passed in the North Carolina General Assembly, what is referred to as the bathroom bill, has most certainly set off one of the most acute and vehement social debates in a long time, even by reality show standards. Welcome again. Thank you for supporting this program and dialogue for the last 25 years. I'm Chris William, and this acerbic nature of politics and public dialogue now, is it a sole result of this one-time legislative action, or is there a cumulative effect and a backlash here at work, at least in North Carolina? What is the economic impact of the Tar Heel commerce and communities in general, and ultimately to its arc and its growth and its place in the world, for somewhere that has been known to be progressive, is it still progressive in this New South? We'll start the discussion in a moment. Major funding also by Novant Health, bringing you world-class technology, clinicians, and care when and where you need it. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, health care, rural churches, and children's services. And by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina, who's responsible for rising health care costs? Join us and many others in a candid discussion at letstalkcost.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, Joe Stewart from the NC Free Enterprise Foundation, J. Mark Ferris of the Greenville Area Development Corporation, and Mark C. Kramer of the Greater Gaston Development Corporation. Hello, welcome to our program. Happy spring. Uh, gentlemen, welcome back. Good to have you both, Marks, here. And Joe, welcome to this dialogue. Thanks, Chris. I almost don't know where to start with this. Uh, um, Mark Ferris, I'm looking at you. Okay. Uh, uh, voter registration, refugee laws, and the, this is not just North Carolina I'm talking about. Voter registration, refugee laws, bathroom bills. Are, it, are social debates taking over the more uh, tangible debates around economic development and family help and transportation and education? How did we find ourselves in this, this debate? You know, these tend to get blown out of proportion a lot. Uh, it's funny, this morning I had a group of Chinese businessmen in my office and they never once asked me about things like this. They were more concerned about transportation, cost of electricity, and we tend to, to think that you know these, these are issues that really have a significant impact, but when in reality, businesses are interested in cost of operation. If you can lower cost of operation, then that's gonna be more important to them. Now it is you know significant to some companies, but on the, on the whole, we hadn't seen a whole lot of backlash from it. Yeah, Joe, Mark, yeah. jump in here. What do you think? Uh, well, it's, a, it's partly a reflection of the demographics of the states. In our state, for instance, there's a lot of red area in the rural areas, and there's some blue areas in the metropolitan areas. And you have a different philosophical uh, viewpoint on some of these major issues. And as and with the legislature split, uh, 
and the rural uh, legislatures having some control, although I think in the last census, the urban areas just slightly overcame the rural in terms of total population, you have a different political viewpoint. And the state is split kind of down the middle, and this reflects that. Yeah, and the state's gone through tremendous change. Uh, now half of North Carolina is non-native. And the growth has been principally yeah. in the major metropolitan yeah. areas. Mecklenburg County and Wake County, Raleigh and Charlotte, the fastest growing parts of the state. Almost half of the total growth just since 2010 mm -hmm. in those two counties. Yeah. And the cities are starting to rise in their political influence. They have very yeah. different political sensitivities than the state as a whole. And despite the fact that after 2010, the Census Bureau said North Carolina, for the first time, is an urban state. More people in yeah. a city than mm -hmm. not. But we have the largest portion of our state that is rural of any of the urban states. So a little yeah. bit of that conflict as part of the maturation of the state. So before we, you know, before we I keep asking about cause and effect, I do want to come back to this. So how, how did we, you know, keep going back to the root cause. Where did we find this incivility? Where did we find this lack of respect in the debate? Mark, how, how did this happen? How did the, the name calling become the way to get your point across? And where did the statesmen and the stateswomen go? I think a lot of it is about politicians becoming performers. You know, we, I think we, that, that gets a lot of press. It gets a lot of publicity if you think about outrageous statements that are made. Um, as opposed to really talking about the issues, that's boring. Nobody really wants to, <laughs> yeah. you know, to, to discuss yeah. that. The, 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 the idea that I think a lot of politicians feel that they can appeal to, even if it's demographic blocks of people that they feel are going to support them, they're going to take the opportunity, unfortunately. Well, you also have the, the issue of gerrymandering, and both parties do it nationwide. Both, both states and both parties. Both, this is yeah, not so new. So it's not way. nothing new about it, but it does tend to, to create more radical politicians in that the primary is the whole game. And so you're mm -hmm. appealing to your base to get elected and then the general election is not really an election because the district is drawn such that it's one party or the other that takes that seat. And so you, you get this polarization. That's what happens. Well, and part of the dynamic yeah. too, just in our yeah. culture, so many more sources for information. We thought the internet would be this enormously liberating force in politics because people would have access to information they could get directly. But what's happened is people are separating away from any content they disagree with. And so yeah. they're only really hearing one point of view. Compromise is really based in large part on understanding the other person's point of view. Yeah. And our culture is really not supporting that phenomenon like it once did. Well, no one wants to run for public office. No one wants yeah. to put themselves through that. Voter, voter turnout is pathetic in more cases than it's not. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, by the way, and, and this is just one of my favorite quotes. It's not like I'm a historic encyclopedia here, but Jefferson called that defective citizenship. Right. So we're being critical and not engaged at the same time. Joe, you just said something. You said now it's like that. Do you think this is the first wave of the great liberalization of the Internet, or will it, is this how our politics are going to go from now on? Well, you know, one of the interesting dynamics of the mm. rise of millennials in American politics, a very large populational cohort, 87 million nationwide, most diverse, but a generation that's only ever known the Internet. They've only had a 24-hour news cycle, but they tend to inform themselves on politics and public policy with each other and they talk through social media they have conversations and so I think this next generation of American leaders and voters will have a very different disposition about this stuff I'm very hopeful that that helps yeah. to reinform our politics on a more across-the-board basis and not so isolated as we seem to be now yeah, yeah. Mark yeah it's very atomized in terms of people's communications and the, the other thing that's an interesting outgrowth of this is 
a lot of communities are trying to attract the innovators, the job producers, the entrepreneurs, the, a lot of millennials, a lot of them tech oriented. And this specific issue that the, the southern states are fighting through, they, have, they are all on one side of that issue. Yeah. I mean, they are just all on one side of that issue. They can't understand why mm -hmm. this is. And that's, what, that's one reason I think a lot of these companies that have a lot of tech workers, PayPal, for instance, mm -hmm. that they're responding to the people that work for them, saying this is outrageous. We can't go there. Do, do, you, do you think, do you, to, to your point, Mark, you talked about PayPal. Do you think yeah. that their, um, their very quick reaction at the beginning to say, we, we have changed our mind on the reload in North Carolina, we're not going to North Carolina anymore, and, and clearly you're following through with that. Do you think there is more of that coming? Do you think not, not just necessarily the elephant that has decided not to join uh, the tribe, so to speak, but do you think there are a lot of things like visitors bureaus, conventions have, have rethought the whole move to North Carolina? I, I think that is happening, yes. I think you're reading about some of it in the paper, and there's others that are happening uh, that you don't read about that are under the surface that, that they don't even consider us. You're off the list, and so that doesn't make doesn't make news because right. you didn't know they were you got stricken from the list so I think it's I think it's a serious issue and will carry forward for some time I mean it's a reputation and that's sort of what we're talking about the state's image the state's reputation it's taken 30 40 50 years to build the state's reputation as a progressive mm -hmm. southern state but you can it takes that long to build it but it can turn upside down on you in a couple of months. So, Mark, how much does the Palmetto State take take advantage of North Carolina's woes, <laughs> economic development? Well, we right. certainly uh, we don't want to cause uh, cause any damage, any further damage. But uh, if there's an opportunity that presents itself, you know, I'm paid to bring jobs to Greenville County. Right. So, uh, at the end of the day, it's an inherently competitive business. Um, having said that, obviously we're we're professionals and and we try to communicate with our peers across the two states mm -hmm. when you know, situations like that arise, but uh, it's, it's uh, hadn't, hadn't been the free-for-all that I believe everybody thinks it is. It's affected a few companies, but by and large, businesses continuing as usual. Activity's wonderful. The kind of manufacturing companies that we're working with in Greenville and in South Carolina and, and North Carolina as well, uh, you know, they're still, again, considered with, uh, concerned about the basics. You know, they're, they're probably wondering why we're dealing with issues like this as opposed to a roads bill. You know, why, yeah. why are we not focusing yeah. on infrastructure? And and it, and it is a good question, Frank. Mm -hmm. Do you think you think North Carolina? I mean, you you, geez, you lived in the, not just the shadow of North Carolina, but you did business in North Carolina when you were in York County, and it, so you got you got a, a, a fairly well-informed opinion. Do you think North Carolina is going to get past this from the reputational standpoint? Absolutely. I think uh, all all memories are short, but especially if it refocuses on the basics of providing value to companies who are looking in the area. Yeah, you know this. Again, this is this. There are a few high-profile cases that's this impacting, but overall, I think again companies want to want to figure out how to lower cost operations. If we can prove value, labor is critical. You know, North Carolina has yeah. done a wonderful job of providing labor resources for the technology-intensive manufacturing yeah. companies. South Carolina's done a good job as well. But again, those things take precedent mm -hmm. <laughs> over issues like this. It gets a lot of attention that it's not deserved. Joe, Joe do. Uh, the, the North Carolina Chamber, largest business organization mm -hmm. like it, is taking a lot of heat. Lou Ebert is taking a lot of heat for not being vocal on this. 
not asking you if you think you should. I'm asking you, not just the chamber, but even, even some of the big operators like Duke Energy have been right. silent on this. Does that surprise you that the largest organizations like that have, have pushed back to say no comment? Yeah, well, I was the political director at the state chamber when uh, Amendment 1 was on the ballot, the prohibition on same-sex marriages in North Carolina, and a lot of conversation about whether or not the state chamber in North Carolina would take a position on that, and the decision was made. There were members on both sides, and so they would let each one of them speak for themselves and their own company. And I think to the extent that it, the state chamber is a membership organization, it, it yeah. does necessarily need to be deferential when there's an issue where there's not a consensus. And so perhaps the chamber is trying to be Solomon-esque in this and say, let individual companies make their voices heard. Um, there's always a role in the advocacy arena mm -hmm. to make a case for uh, encouraging calmer heads to prevail and not to take immediate action and to be more thoughtful. Uh, but I think in this case, it's such a highly charged issue. It's not surprising that the chamber has taken the position of letting companies speak for themselves and not trying to necessarily say the business community unilaterally feels one way or the other. At one point in my career, I was a lobbyist for insurance companies, automobile and homeowners insurance companies, and legislators would say to me, you know, what does the insurance industry think of this? And I said, don't you watch TV? These guys hate each other. And so the sense that there's a monolithic business community yeah. position on any in, issue in step, is, yeah. is elusive. You know, the New York Times had, had, a, had an op-ed and had a, had, actually had an article, and it was talking about states trying to safeguard themselves from national cultural trends and federal mandates, and then municipalities within the states were trying to carve out their own place within the state. So if we see these silos, we see feds, how they feel, federal mandate, federal national culture, then we see states saying, no, we're going to control our own destiny. Then you see the cities within the state saying, yeah, we're not buying anything the General Assembly is. We're our own brand, which we're seeing now. Is this, is this isolationist? Is that what's happening here? I don't think it's isolationist. I think it's a function of finance. I mean, just to, in, to be In what way? What does that mean? So, so Jim Clifton wrote a book. Uh, it's called The Coming Jobs War. And it talked about, um, you know, the, the fact that the, the national politics are in gridlock. Our state capitals, Columbia and Raleigh, are not responding to things like infrastructure requirements. And at the city level, uh, they're the ones doing the work. I mean, if you get anything done of a significance in your community, largely it's done by the municipalities. And so I think it's, it's you can't wait on Columbia and Raleigh to do it anymore. You have to do it. And Greenville's a good example. So is York County in terms of the, the roads money that was passed for, for the construction. $600 million worth of new roads are being built there now. So if we're going to do anything, it's going to have to be done at the local level. And I think it's just the response to, to that fact. Yeah, and let me ask you one quick thing. Uh, there is a there's debate on a roads bill going on at the state house in Columbia right now. Um, this could be a second year of the lack of a roads bill. That almost seems like uh, that almost seems like political suicide. If <laughs> if the Senate and the House don't deliver some type of roads relief, do you, would you expect that the state house is actually not going to have a roads bill? I think we'll end up getting another Band-Aid. Um, Area Development Magazine, interestingly enough, every year they come out with a, uh, a survey and they talk to hundreds of companies who either expanded or relocated to the area in the U.S. and they ask, what were your most important criteria for locating in that community? And number one in 2015 was transportation good access. So I think that kind of message might hopefully spur them to do something more proactive where that's concerned because the most powerful comment that was made during the whole debate in South Carolina, a prominent CEO stood up and said, 
I'm not going to invest another dime in South Carolina until the roads are fixed. And so that, that really grabbed the attention, especially elected officials. That was so Michelin CEO, wasn't it? It was, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and, you know, they make tires. This is yes. fairly meaningful in the road bill. <laughs> Certainly, I but I think <laughs> that the, the concept is the same. We've got to address yeah. the, 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 the issues that are important to business. You know, that seems like an easier lift in South Carolina, but still with this House Bill 2 looming in North Carolina, Mark, do you think North Carolina will get the General Assembly that starts its source short session here fairly soon? already into it by the airing of this program. Do you think they're going to get back to the business of commerce, development, more than social issues before the election this in November? Well, I, I hope they address the HB2 in some meaningful way that the business community, if there's, a, if there's sort of a common refrain, it's the Charlotte Chamber's position, which is you guys need to figure out a way to work this out, that you need to go back and have the policy debate now about what's a reasonable way to address the question, see if you can at least reasonably satisfy both sides and come to some compromise position that doesn't harm the state and gets us out of this box we're in. That hopefully they can do that in this regard. Now, it's a little after the fact. I mean, there's positions are solidified and the governor made a good move with his, his executive order. At least it will start some dialogue, hopefully. It isn't the, the complete answer, but it's the start of the dialogue. And so they need to get through that if they can. I think they will also, of course, focus on economic issues. I mean, they're pretty good about that. I mean, the, the whole question of the state income tax and the reductions of that and looking at the, the different tax structure and incentives bills and the other, thing they accomplish, other things they accomplished in the last session, they'll continue to do that. So I'm confident of that. Yeah. You've got to get through this other issue as well, though. Yeah, J Thanks. Joe, it does, see, it does seem, pity is not the right word, but it does seem pitiful that, uh, the, that North Carolina has done some good things here that mm -hmm. gets eclipsed by this social uh, headline. That, that's, that, do you think that the social debate, the social feelings, the acrimony, you think that's going to hang on until the November election? Well, I think it's important to note that it's April and that the election's in November. And so the likelihood of House Bill 2 being a significant election year issue probably is not as great. We'll, we'll see some action, undoubtedly, in the legislative session, and probably some other issues will come up. But the, the voter anger and frustration that's fomented in this particular election cycle has really been born out of a sense of economic uncertainty. The recovery has yeah. not been solid, and it's certainly not been sort of pervasive. A lot of people don't feel as confident that things are going to continue to be good. Quite frankly, in, in any election, it's the economy. Stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's still right. incumbents trying to prove to voters that they did the right things and that you should be hopeful and excited about the future and your economic well-being and your family's financial security. But candidates want to focus on that stuff. So social agenda issues, which have a tendency to drive base voters in the Republican and Democratic Party, but undecided voters in a competitive state like North Carolina, it's that very small percentage of the electorate that you really have to convince you're the right candidate in order to win. And they're going to be focused on other issues, economic issues, and, and it may well be national security issues because of the threat of terrorism that we face. So notwithstanding presidential politics, do you think North Carolina, at least in the Tar Heel State, they'll get past the debate around the social issue and get back to the business at hand? I, I suspect so. You think? I suspect so. Sooner rather than later? Or well, you think it could be drawn out? Well, there, there are some 
some significant divides even within the Republican Party, controls both chambers of our state legislature and the governor's office. Um, within the Republican Party, some strong voices of social conservatism, and we see that manifest on some social issues being a part of the agenda. But in terms of fiscal policy, size and scope of government, the Republican legislators have a lot to talk about. They've reduced taxes, they've made the regulatory system better, and there's still more work to do in that regard. So I think the pressure will be within the Republican caucus, both House and Senate, for those voices that are yeah. fiscal conservatives, pro-business oriented legislators to say, let's get back to the stuff that makes us a desirable place for business and that will continue the growth mm -hmm. patterns that make us a successful place. Pa uh, Pat McCrory yeah. uh, uh, haters say there's no chance he's gonna go down on this one by the November election. Pat McCrory supporters say he's been very smart to play to his very conservative Republican base. How, how do you come down on this? How, how much risk do you think he's at? Well, to some extent, and it's very hard to tell at this point what the factors are in those final 30 crucial days before the election, but because such a significant part of North Carolina's electoral base is now from other parts of the country, the influence of the national dynamics of elections far more meaningful. The 2014 U.S. Yeah. Senate race, Tom Tillis, the Republican candidate, started to do better once ISIS and Ebola became an issue, when national security concerns impacted voters principally in the suburban parts of North Carolina, and they started to focus more on those than they were on public education and domestic policy. So to some extent, probably the longest shadow to be cast across the statewide races in North Carolina in 2016 is the presidential contest, mm -hmm. because voters will be very focused on that matchup, whomever it ends up being. Yeah, you can, yeah, Mark, in your area of dominant influence, in your part of the state of North Carolina, you come from a conservative base. How do you think McCrory's yeah. gonna fare this year? Yeah, I think it'll be a close, tight race, and uh, he has a good shot at, at at being reelected, but it'll be close. Are you are you surprised at all by Roy Cooper, the opponent, the, uh, the who seems to be is going to be the, the yeah. crowned opponent for the Democratic side? Do you, do you expect and is? Uh, do you are you surprised that he hasn't been more aggressive or assertive on attacking the sitting governor on this? I think he's been relatively aggressive. You think I'm, so? I'm, yeah, I'm, I think he's been out front on it, and I think his refusal as attorney general to his refusal to defend the law is a pretty aggressive stance by an attorney general. Mm -hmm. And uh, to say I have a policy disagreement, that's some, some of it's our structure as a state where right. we independently elect an attorney general, and so he has a constituency to respond to as opposed to being appointed by the governor. Uh, but I think he's been relatively aggressive about it. Yeah, yeah. I, We've got a couple yeah. minutes left. Mark, what do you, you know, for, forget about the social issues. Maybe not, maybe that's your biggest concern. But what do, you, what do you look at day to day, week to week, just from your personal point of view and also from your professional point of view, and you say, you know, I am most concerned about X. The labor. <laughs> labor. The access to labor. Labor, yeah. the skill yeah. sets. You know, um, yeah. Joe talked about the recovery um, being slow, uh, I think that's not really true. I think uh, actually there's been a significant recovery and people talk about it being a jobless recovery. That's not true either. Right. The jobs are there, they're just at a higher skill set requirement that we've done a poor job and, and, yeah. and the nation as well of training those folks to meet the demands of contemporary technology-based industry. You know, I've got, a, I've got a company coming into Greenville, they'll have one machine that's $30 million. Right. So the requirements to operate that piece of machinery yeah. are way above what we've what we've trained for in the past. So we're either going to have to meet that demand or we're going to lose. We win or lose projects now based on our ability to convince companies that we can supply the skill sets that they need for the jobs that are out there. Mm -hmm. The jobs are there. 
There's just a yeah. disconnect between the, the skill sets that we have of the employees now and the training that's going to be required for the future. S single biggest yeah. worry, Mark, what do you think for uh, you? What's the single biggest concern? I uh, labor. I think that's the, that's the same problem in both states, that the matchup between the skill sets you have and what the employers want and need, uh, it's a difficult thing to do. And it's particularly difficult to say what jobs are going to be here in five years. And let's build a curriculum to support, right. prepare people for those jobs or 10 years mm -hmm. out. I mean, the ability to predict is, is mm -hmm. very difficult and to do it. And, and when you have educational institutions, they're government institutions, you got to develop curriculum, you've got to get it approved, you've got to, mm -hmm. you know, it takes a while to move those ships. And it, it's hard to be responsive. Everybody's working hard at it. We're doing some great things in North Carolina, Gaston County. The, the, our organizations are doing some great things, but it takes a lot of effort and a lot of focus. Okay. And you got to be lucky predicting what's coming. And I don't want to cut you off. I'm sorry. Yeah. Ten seconds. Yeah. What are you most concerned about, John? Well, it's the complexity of a global economy and helping legislators yeah. and other elected officials understand that we're not in competition with South Carolina. We're in competition to do business in Southeast Asia. And that just makes it a little more difficult yeah. than historically yeah. legislators have been able to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Good job in squeezing that one in the very last seconds of the program, Joe. Thank you. Mark, nice to see you again. Mark, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for watching our program. If you have any questions or comments, and we certainly hope you will, go to carolinabusinessreview.org and make your comment. Until next week, I'm Chris. Good night. Major funding for Carolina Business Review was provided by the Duke Endowment a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, healthcare, rural churches, and children's services. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina, who's responsible for rising healthcare costs? Join us and many others in a candid discussion at letstalkcost.com. Grant Thornton, operating in more than 100 countries, our tax audit and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Novant Health, bringing you world-class technology, clinicians, and care when and where you need it. Sunoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of South Carolina, where healthcare is changing for the better. Find out how at ahealthysc.tv and by viewers like you. Thank you. Promotional consideration provided by Business North Carolina Magazine. For more information, visit carolinabusinessreview.org.